Uh, So I'd ask if you would please to that end, uh, let's uh, turn in our Bibles to the fifth chapter of Galatians. We're continuing the series on the fruit of the Spirit, and this morning we want to look at patience. But for the sake of uh, context, we'll read verses 16 uh, through the end of the chapter, as has been our practice as uh, we've been looking at uh, the fruit of the Spirit. So Galatians chapter 5, and we'll begin reading in verse 16. So let's give attention to the reading of God's word, Galatians 5.16. Hear now the word of God. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, and uh, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Let's bow together in a brief word of prayer, and then we'll hear the preaching of the word. Let's pray. Father God, we are grateful that uh, you give unto us your love, that you have chiefly poured out your love upon us in Christ through the Spirit. And so we pray, O Lord, that you would enable us to bask in this undeserved love, that you would fill our hearts with praise, that you would give unto us the wisdom of Christ, that you would give, give unto us, O Lord, the fruit of your Spirit, and that we would manifest this fruit not only for the mutual edification of the body of Christ, but ultimately, O Lord, for the praise and glory of your name. We pray and ask all of these things in Christ's name. Amen. I can remember as a child, one of the uh, worst times uh, each year was Christmas time. Now, you might think, why on earth would this be one of the worst times? It's because uh, when the Lord was passing out uh, patience, He didn't seemingly give me enough, and I can be perhaps one of the most impatient people you might know. Uh, And so each and every Christmas time, I can remember just counting out the days excruciatingly, looking beneath the tree, seeing how many presents were there, and of course, uh, you know, shaking the presents, trying to figure out what things were. Uh, One year it got so bad. And uh, my parents knew about, you know, knew, know about this we, since we got caught, um, is that uh, my brother and I surgically opened every single Christmas tree, uh, every single Christmas present under the tree. Um, and we, we just, you know, just carefully, just surgically opening the presents. And we'd open up the one side and go, oh, all right, look, you got a, you know, you got a race car set. Oh, okay, great. Let's put it back. And we put it back under the tree. Uh, we just couldn't wait. We could not wait. Uh, the, uh, we got caught, as I said, because uh, my parents said, wait, there's one more gift. And we, we had no idea what it was because we didn't know about it. And my parents uh, said, what do you think it is? <laughs> and I think by God's inspiration, I said, slippers. 
And it was. <laughs> I had no idea. It was slippers. And my, my parents said, you cheated, didn't you? It was that one guess that gave it all away. <laughs> Otherwise, if I hadn't guessed, we would have maybe gotten away with it. We were impatient. But isn't that the nature of the culture in which we live now? We live in a very impatient culture. We're constantly being formed and molded so that we don't have to wait. Uh, They say that the average wait time uh, at a traffic light before somebody grows impatient is about 15 seconds. 15 seconds before you start getting antsy. You know, uh, how many of us have uh, that new upgraded device and the reason we upgraded it because, because the old one was so slow? You know, and you might say if you actually timed them, well, this one was maybe a second behind the other one, just a second. You know, there's instant credit, there's instant messaging. I suspect maybe the longest minute of the day may be that minute that you stand in front of the microwave and go, let's go, come on, what's taking so long? Overnight express for packages that you order. Basically, the culture whittles away our patience to the point where we don't like or want to wait for anything. It was uh, the famous Russian dissident Alexander Solzhenitsyn who said, impatience is one of the psychic diseases of the 20th century. And the poet William Auden, who was uh, one of J.R. Tolkien's students, He said, laziness acknowledges the relation of the present to the past, but ignores its relation to the future. In other words, when you're lazy, you pretty much only want to live in the past. You're not too concerned about what comes in the future. He says, on the other hand, impatience acknowledges its relationship to the future, but ignores its relation to the past. In other words, when you're impatient, you're like, I'm not interested in the past. I want to move past the, 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 everything that has gone before. And all I want to do is get to tomorrow. I just want to get to tomorrow. And so in this type of an environment, one that is trying to whittle away our capacity for patience, here comes the Apostle Paul in the fifth chapter of Galatians. And he says, patience is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Patience. So what I want us to do is I want us to give thought to the nature of patience as a fruit of the Spirit. And so first, what we need to do is we need to ask and define what is patience. And then secondly, we need to ask the question, where do we find it? And then third and finally, we want to ask, how do we practice it? So patience, what is it? Patience, where do we find it? And patience, how do we exercise it? So let's ask the question, uh, what is patience? And I think we can say, generally speaking, patience is the willingness to wait for something that you desire. The the willingness to wait for something that you desire. But we could fill this in with a little bit more information. And there's a Dutch Reformed 17th century theologian by the name of Wilhelmus Abrakel. And he describes it in this way. He says, the essence or nature of patience waits or sorry, consists in the enduring of affliction willingly with composure, joyfully and steadfastly. That fills in a little bit more information here. He says it's essentially in in waiting, in enduring affliction with composure, waiting with joy and waiting steadfastly. 
He goes on to write, he says, Trials do not trouble the soul as a storm would to the sea, but the soul permits the waves and bellows to go over her. Such a soul is as a smooth beach where the waves, so to speak, playfully run dead, or she is a rock which remains immovable and breaks up the sea as it bears down upon it. In other words, patience is the ability to wait with joy and steadfastness even if the waves of impatience and time are crashing down upon you. As they crash down upon you, the patient soul is able to stand there firm like a rock that breaks up the waves upon it. That's the nature of patience, the way that this theologian describes it. And all of a sudden, it sets a much higher bar. It's not just simply waiting but it's waiting with steadfast joy and endurance, even in the face of affliction. Now, one of the things that's important for us to note is that I think that there's a difference between the patience that an unbeliever can exhibit and the patience that a believer as a fruit of the Spirit exhibits. They look very similar. They look very similar, but they have different sources. You know, we can illustrate this, say, with the the Jackson water system. If I were to tell you, I have two glasses of water here before you. One of them is filled with tap water from the city of Jackson. The other is filled with, um, let's say, uh, Fiji water. Have you seen the Fiji water? When I'm traveling, it's one of my favorite things. I'll buy Fiji water because uh, it comes in a nice little square bottle and it looks fancy. So you got the Fiji water in one glass and you got the Jackson tap water in the other. If I didn't label them, you'd look long and hard at those glasses of water going, let me see which one is it. I know, I don't think it's this one. This one doesn't look as clear. And if I labeled them Fiji water and tap water, Everybody, I think, would go for the Fiji water. Why? The difference is not in what they are. Both are glasses of water. The difference is the source. One comes from a spring somewhere in the South Pacific. The other one comes from the tap. One is pure. One is not so pure, depending upon what's going on. It's the source that makes all the difference in the world. So there's a sense in which an unbeliever can manifest patience. But this patience is self-originated. It's self-directed. Thomas Edison, for example, notably failed 1,000 times in trying to invent the light bulb. When he asked, how did it feel to fail 1,000 times? He said, I didn't fail 1,000 times. The light bulb was an invention with 1,000 steps. Okay, that's one way to look at it. And certainly he exercised a lot of patience. Some of us might have quit after 93, 482, 516. We would have quit. It's like, oh, forget it. This is something that can't be done. But 1,000 steps into the process, he finally successfully invented the light bulb. And yet, we know that Edison was not a Christian. He says, I do not believe in the God of theologians, but that there is a supreme intelligence I do not doubt. He wasn't a Christian. 
And yet he exercised great patience. Why? Well, it's because it was to the end to which he sought, which was the invention of the light bulb. It was self-directed. It was self-originated. It came from within. How many thieves, for example, will patiently case out a store or a house before they decide whether or not they want to rob it? Psychologists say that you can train yourself to be more patient, and they'll never invoke the Holy Spirit. Small forms of self-denial on a, on a daily basis can train you to become more patient, delaying gratification, for example, with the purchases that you make. St. Augustine, famous theologian from the early church, said the strength of desire helps a man to bear toil and pain, and no one willingly undertakes to bear what is painful save for the sake of that which gives pleasure. In other words, uh, an unbeliever, and even us as Christians, can say, I'll wait patiently if I know that the reward is good enough. Medieval theologians would say that heathens could endure hardship and betray, uh, rather than betray their country or commit some other misdeed. He said this is truly what it means to be patient. And yet the source of that capacity and ability for patience always comes from within, just from any ordinary person. But what about as a fruit of the Spirit? All of a sudden, patience here has a different source. It's not from within. It's not just us ourselves. It's not just our ability to wait for a good reward, but rather it comes, it comes from Christ through the Spirit because ultimately the goal of patience is not just simply some sort of reward, but rather manifesting this patience means that we have become conformed to the person of Christ. In other words, the goal or obtaining this patience, it doesn't come from within, it comes from outside of us. The Apostle Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 45 and following. He says, thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But he says, but it is not that the spiritual, that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, so we shall bear the image of the man from heaven. So it's so important here for us to note that when we're talking about patience, it's the ability to endure affliction and yet to do so joyfully and steadfastly, but the source of it is not from within ourselves, it's ultimately from Christ through the Spirit. So when Paul lists the fruit of the Spirit here, it is so, so, so important that we do not hear Paul saying, be patient. He's not giving us a command. We're not just simply trying to be like Jesus. What he's doing here is he's listing the fruit of the Spirit as indicatives. What do I mean by that, as indicatives? Here's where we want to invoke a little bit of theological grammar. 
A little bit of theological grammar. In theology, we talk about the indicatives which reveal a state, a condition, versus the imperatives, things we need to do. And in the fruit of the Spirit, when he gives this list, he's talking about indicatives, things that come about that are given to us by Christ through the Spirit. In other words, this is who you are by the grace of God because you are united to Christ. These are indicatives, Spirit-given virtues that all believers are supposed to manifest because they have been given in Christ. In other words, when Paul is calling us to uh, exercise and to manifest the fruit of the Spirit of patience, he's calling us to rely upon the indwelling power and presence of the Spirit. This difference between the sources, the tap water and the spring water, the, the, the self-motivated, self-originated capacity for uh, patience versus the fruit of the Spirit is the difference, J. Gresham Machen once since said, between liberal, uh, liberalism and historic, orthodox, conservative Christianity. He says liberalism is altogether in the imperative mood. Liberalism is all about commands. Be good, be loving, be kind, be patient. It's all about giving us commands. He says, while Christianity begins with a triumphant indicative, this is what Christ has done for you. This is what Christ has given to you. This is who you are by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. This is who you are. He says, liberalism appeals to man's will. Try harder. While Christianity first announces the gracious act of God. The gracious act of God. So this is important as we understand what patience is. But secondly... And as we've begun to hint at this already, when we ask the question, where do we find patience? This is where we have to say, well, if patience is not within me, then I have to seek it first and foremost in our triune God. An ancient uh, church father by the name of Tertullian, who lived in the third century, he said that when we're seeking to find patience, he says, the divine arrangement of the cosmos is where we see God holding up the entire creation and it's in his holding up of the entire creation where we find a divine example of patience. He says, our triune God manifests patience with the ungrateful nations. How many peoples do not believe in, in the triune God, the one true living God? How many of these nations, he says, do not worship the one true living God and instead they worship the works of their own hands, worshiping their own idols uh, and things of their own making? 
instead of praising God and giving thanks to him for all of the blessings that they have, whether it's food, whether it's clothing, whether it's shelter, whether it's money, he says they turn away from God and they think that it's either due to their own success or because of the false gods that they worship. He says, how much patience do we see in God with the world? I mean, it would, it's God's right that he could at any instant come in and destroy it, judge it. I think what Tertullian has in mind is what we read of in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20, when Peter says, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, God patiently waited. Or Paul, as he writes in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Think of it. How often do we sin, and yet God doesn't immediately judge us? Or how often do we sin, and he is a patient father with us? not giving us what our sins deserve. I know that often that's the case. That's not the case with me as a father. I am not a very patient father sometimes. But where we see the pinnacle of God's patience is where it is revealed in Christ. In the scriptures, I think there are shadowy portraits of the patience of Christ, especially in the Old Testament. Think of Joseph's patience. He was thrown into a pit and then sold into slavery. And just when things began to look up for him, and he's, he's elevated himself by God's providential grace to being head over Potiphar's household, Potiphar's wife comes after him and he's thrown into prison. If there was ever something that would stir impatience in me, it would be in that, oh Lord, what are you doing? And then how much patience did he exhibit while he was in prison until he was finally exonerated and elevated to second in command of all of, over all of Egypt? I suppose some of you have had events in your life where you carry a desire to have your reputation restored, a desire to be exonerated, a desire to show that the naysayers in your life were wrong. I have those events in my life and I think about them on a regular basis and I try to give them up to the Lord and say, Lord, help me to set those things aside and forget about them. But I suspect that that's something that Joseph thought about a lot when he was there in Egypt, wondering, will I ever get vindication before my brothers? And then when they appeared before him, how much patience did he exercise in dealing with them? How many of us would have said, aha, I've got you now. You're off to jail. And you deserve it. How many of us have looked into the shadowy narrative of Job's life 
and been able to perceive the patience of Christ in Job's suffering. In the book of James, we read this in James chapter 5, verses 7. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of long-suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. How long did the prophets have to wait for the things of which they spoke? Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job and have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. You can look at the book of Job and see the patience of Christ so much so that it is coined, we've coined a, a, a cliche. He has the patience of Job. But what you're looking at is you're looking at a shadowy image of the patience of Jesus Christ. And we know of Christ's manifest patience in so many different ways. He patiently waited for the fullness of time when he could go about his father's work. I mean, imagine if you, were, if you were to be born and you knew, you knew without a shadow of a doubt what your mission was to be, and your heavenly Father says, you're going to have to wait for about 30 years before you start. 30 years. 30 years. He patiently taught his disciples. How often would many of us, you know, when we're sitting there in the boat and we say, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the scribes, and then the disciples go, is he talking about bread? Is, is he hungry? How many times would Jesus or would us, would we have wanted to go, oh, man, <laughs> why? why, what's wrong with these people? How often was he patient with the pressing crowds as they, 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 they pushed in and surged about him, wanting to get closer to him? How patient was he when he endured persecution and sufferings as he waited for his father's verdict to justify him, to declare him righteous, to raise him from the dead, and to give him an, a throne as he ascends to sit at his right hand? And yet, how much patience... Does Christ and all of those things manifest towards us? Paul writes in 1 Timothy 1.16, But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Think of all of the things that Paul did prior to his conversion, and in all of those things, Christ was exercising patience. How often has Christ been patient with us as we struggle, kick, and wrestle against him in the process of our sanctification? Given the profound amount of patience that we have received, this is why we see that patience is supposed to mark us both in our patience as we wait upon the Lord, in the patience that we exhibit towards one another, 
in all areas of life, not because Paul is calling us to be patient. In other words, you do it on your own, but rather he's saying because of who you are in Christ, because of what Christ has done for you in the gospel, through the outpouring of the Spirit, you have the capacity for patience. It's been given to you. It's a gift. Now exercise it. Which brings us to our third and final point. We have to ask ourselves when we find ourselves in trials and in difficult circumstances, whether or not circumstances produce or manifest impatience in us. Martin Luther says, those speak foolishly who ascribe their anger or their impatience to such as offend them or to tribulation. How often have we said that? Well, I was angry and impatient because I was hungry. I'm not asking you to raise hands, but I'll raise hands. I've done it. You know, you get hangry, right? Or how often have we exercised impatience or been impatient with the people around us because we've been sick, because we've been tired, because we've been in pain, Because we've had a bad day. Luther calls us fools. Because he says, no, 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 no. He says, "Your, your hunger didn't make you impatient. Your lack of sleep didn't make you impatient. Your bad day didn't make you impatient. It revealed your impatience. Tribulation does not make people impatient, but proves they are impatient. So everyone may learn from tribulation how his heart is constituted. Tough words, but good questions. The difficulties in our lives, the the, the challenges, the trials, the the hunger, the thirst, uh, the the lack of rest, the, the illness, those things are revealing who we are. And so when we reveal, when we find ourselves in these circumstances and it reveals that we are impatient, that's when we have to flee to Christ. We have to pray for patience. We have to seek the means of grace. We have to seek Christ in his word. I think that if we read, for example, the book of Job, which in and of itself requires patience because it's a long book, If we read that book, that may be the very means by which God begins to teach us patience. And I'll say this. I can't often make promises because ultimately it's the Lord who fulfills them. But I'm practically willing to say, I promise you this. Mark my word. If you pray for patience, God's going to give you an opportunity to use it. You say, oh Lord, please help me to be patient with my children. And that's the day when they're going to be all hopped up on sugar and they're going to be acting like crazed animals. And you're like, Lord, what are you doing? No, this is not how I'm supposed to learn patience. And the Lord sits up there and chuckles and said, oh yeah, (laughs) here you go. You wanted to work out patience. You wanted to manifest it. Here you go. Like, no, no, Lord, this is not what I had in mind. I had in mind a pack of peaceful children. That's the way that I want to learn patience. 
When you say, oh Lord, I need to learn patience with with the people in my life, whether it's my family, whether it's my children, whether it's the people at church, he's going to bring people into your life that are going to start picking at the scab of impatience. And they want to pick at it until it bleeds. And that's where we say, oh Lord, am I going to do this in my own strength or am I going to rely on Christ and the power of the gospel to give me the patience that I need? And then note this. This is a tough one too. Okay, In our impatient culture, we say, oh, Lord, I want patience. Give it to me now, please. And have you ever thought that maybe when you ask for patience, that's going to be one of the Lord's way of saying, yeah, okay, it's going to take patience to get patience. Oof, that one doesn't feel so good. Pre-Socratic philosopher by the name of Heraclitus said, Good character is not formed in a week or in a month. It's created little by little, day by day. Protracted and patient effort is needed to develop good character. I can't help but think that the same truth is true in our sanctification. Sanctification just doesn't happen all at once. You pray a prayer, pow, you're fixed. It's a lot of prayers. It's a lot of reading of the word. It's a lot of waiting. It's a lot of patient enduring of tribulation with joy and in steadfast purpose. So perhaps, like no other time before, we have to ask whether we're going to let the world around us shape us and make us impatient, or whether by Christ through the Spirit and through the means of grace... Are we going to seek to transform ourselves by God's grace? Are we going to seek conformity under the world or conformity under Christ? So when we find ourselves in circumstances that require great patience, remember there's a goal to our waiting. There's a goal to our patience. Luther says this, Our Lord God resembles a typesetter who sets the letters backwards. We definitely see and feel that he is setting his type But the print we shall see in the beyond. Meanwhile, we must have patience. Oh, may it it be said of us that we manifest the fruit of the Spirit, patience, in times of plenty and in times of want, all to the glory of our triune God. Let's bow together in a word of prayer. Father God, we are grateful that you are a patient and loving God that you strive and are long-suffering with us, and that you manifested your patience first and foremost by giving unto us Christ, and in Christ, chiefly, above all else, being patient with us, we who did not deserve your patience, we who did not deserve your love, we do not, who, who do not deserve your mercy. We pray and ask, O oh Lord, that you would forgive us of our sins, forgive us for our impatience, wherever it may, it may be manifest, whether it's manifest in our relationships with one another, whether it's with our children or with our grandchildren or with our spouses. Forgive us, O Lord, for our impatience with your providence. So often we want things to happen now and we're, we so eagerly look to the horizon wanting things to change instead of asking ourselves, can we be content in the moment where you have us? Forgive us, Father, for being impatient with our possessions, O Lord. So often all we can think of is is accumulating more, whether perhaps out of greed or perhaps out of fear, because 
We're, 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 not, we're not sure that you will provide for us instead of patiently waiting for your gracious provision. Oh Lord, wherever it is that we manifest impatience, we pray that you would bring those instances to mind and that you would forgive us of our impatience. Give unto us, O oh Lord, the fruit of your spirit, the gift of the salvation that we have in Christ by your grace. Help us to remember who we are in Christ and in so doing to exercise the gift that you have freely given us in him. Help us to be the most patient of people. And in this way, O Lord, as the world looks in upon us and sees our great patience, we would not attribute it to ourselves, that we would not attribute it to any reward, but we would attribute it, O Lord, to your grace in Christ through the Spirit and give you the praise and glory and and worship that you deserve. We pray and ask all of these things in Christ's name. Amen.